Welcome to episode 15 of the Everyday Expertise Podcast. I'm your host, Roland Martin, and I hope that today's conversation will expand your knowledge. For today's conversation, I've done something a little bit different than a typical episode in that I brought back a guest that I've had on before, and that's my brother, Ricky Martin. Instead of just sticking to one topic like I typically do with a guest, we talk about a few different things, including how this podcast has been going so far and what our impressions and thoughts on it um, are up to this point. We also answer some audience questions, so thank you for those of you that submitted questions that we talk about. And uh, then towards the end, we uh, take a few minutes to answer a series of questions that our mom submitted to us. And they're questions about our past that we just answer spontaneously. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. So yeah, we really enjoyed this conversation and I hope that you do as well. Welcome back, Ricky, to Everyday Expertise. I'm uh, excited about um, rehashing some of the podcast a little bit with you and then um, answering some questions. So it's really good to have you here. All right. Thank you. It's good to be back. And yeah, congratulations on, uh, well, I guess this will be the 15th podcast episode. Um, yeah. So yeah, 15 successful episodes, if it, this one is. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And um, I also have to say that, and I'm going to mention this a little bit later too, but it's been really great having you as a partner and someone to, to take on some of the load, especially with the promotional side of things, but also to discuss things and, and get that ready feedback on a regular basis. And it's just been really helpful. And I, I don't know if I can say that I wouldn't have successfully done 15 episodes without your help, but it wouldn't be the same. And I'm really thankful for it. So, so thanks a lot. So to get started, I thought we would, since it's been a few months since we did our first recording, I was curious if there's been any significant events that have happened to you since the last time that I had you on. Um, yeah, so, so there's not a not a whole lot of new things. Uh, these pop filters are new, so there's yes. that. <laughs> um, probably the biggest thing is uh, we moved. So yeah. last time we recorded... Uh, Jasmine and I were still living in Toronto um, and middle of July uh, we moved back to this area to Waterloo mm -hmm. um, so yeah there's a, a lot of work involved in both packing our things up and then settling to settling into the new place yeah um, but yeah so so now we're in our uh, place in Waterloo it's uh, really right by Waterloo Park mm -hmm. um, so it's a really nice really nice location uh close to uptown and everything and also a lot closer to um a lot of friends and family so we've gotten to well the two of us have spent a little bit more time together this summer i think yeah. than we would have otherwise yeah it's been really nice uh having you guys so close and um doing things like running together as um has on a regular basis has been a lot of fun that that we've been so close just for for doing things like connecting for a, a weeknight recording like this and yeah. um, or just getting together for an hour or two here or there, which wasn't really possible when, when you were living an hour's drive away. So it's just been really nice. Yeah. How about, how about you? What's new with you? 
Um, few things have, have changed or kind of been ongoing over the last few months. And um, the big one is that a few weeks ago, got back into school full time again, except fully on, online this time. So mm-hmm. um, that was a bit of a learning curve at the beginning. And just it, it felt really busy and overwhelming the first week or two. And I think that part of that, it felt more that way than normal, than just a normal semester starting. And I think the biggest reason for that was because there wasn't that regular schedule of classes to go to. And I, I think it just took some getting used to, to what my schedule is going to be, how I'm going to be on top of assignments and, and that kind of thing. Plus, at the same time, there's still a couple days a week where I'm taking care of Seth regularly, so I don't mm-hmm. get a lot of studying done on those days um, while Joy works. And so it's, yeah, been a little bit of juggling, but I feel like things have been coming together a little bit better um, now. So that's yeah. going a little smoother. I, I saw something interesting on social media today. I forget if it was Twitter or Reddit, but about education um, now being almost all virtually yeah and it was it was something about how education used to be about learning but now it's about proving to your your teacher that you're learning or something like that do do you agree agree with that or have you found that to be the case at all um i wouldn't have said that it wasn't that before okay yeah because in order to pass a class you have to prove that that you learn the material or are able to do the material so i don't know if the post would have been referring to that there's more accountability in in some ways or that accountability looks a little different maybe do you know what yeah no i i I maybe yeah i'm not sure if i'm quoting that exactly right yeah Uh, so it's definitely it's definitely different and um just ready in the few weeks i see that some of my professors are very organized and and are using doing the online thing well and and um, are really on top of things, and some aren't quite as organized, and yeah. things feel a little more all over the place. There are advantages to both, though. So the um, the one that's really organized, he, um, if you don't fill out everything correctly on the first page of a test or assignment, you get a zero on the assignment. If you hand it in a minute late, you get a zero <laughs> on that assignment. You know? Do you know this by experience? Like no, it, no, no, no. He just, uh, I've, I've done, a, it's kept me on my toes to make sure I have everything um, in on time. Yeah. But he always sends out an email saying something like 20 of you did not um, do this in time. And so you got a zero or <laughs> like he keeps us well informed. Um, and then there's another, prof- another class that, that the, the lectures and the PowerPoints are a little more all over the place. And it's not well laid out the schedule for the year, like when assignments are due and that kind of thing. And um, so I just, that feels a lot less organized. But then when our last assignment was due a couple days ago, suddenly about two hours before the deadline, she just sent us an email saying, you know what, I have this, I see that a bunch of you haven't got it in yet. So I'm going to just give you all one more day to, to get this assignment in. So I don't, I don't see our, uh, my other professor doing that at all. So there's, there's good things and about both, I guess. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, the last couple months, I've been back to my tutoring job at Mathnasium. So it's a couple days a week. And um, it's a little different um, with COVID. We wear masks and there's mm-hmm. fewer students in the center at one time. But um, like most things, you just kind of get used to it. And we've settled into it um, pretty well, I think. So it's been fun to do that again. 
And um, yeah, other than that, I don't know if I've talked about it uh, um, on here at all, and I didn't talk about it all, a whole lot, um, period. But uh, a couple months ago, we had a really good time traveling out to the West Coast, flew into Vancouver, and then spent a few days on Vancouver Island. So it was Joy and Seth and I, and then we met up with, with you and Jasmine um, out there for about a week. And uh, yeah, that was just a really good time to to get away. And um, I was glad we were able to do the trip. Um, we weren't sure for a while. Um, actually, the, the trip was originally planned um, to as a reunion with my mom's family out in Oregon, but we weren't able to cross the border then because of um, COVID. So um, we weren't sure if the trip was going to go, but we went ahead with the with um, flying out to BC instead. So it's really glad we were able to do that. It was a, it was a good vacation and a, a good chance to see a different part of the country. Yeah, we, we really enjoyed that too. And like you said, both as a vacation, a, a getaway, some just kind of a break, some time off, but it was really nice to spend some time with you guys as well. And yeah, really enjoyed that aspect of it too. Yeah, it was a nice little start to you guys moving to Waterloo then because um, you'd moved just a couple days before you left on the trip, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. All right, very good. So um, what I kind of had in mind for the first few minutes of the uh, podcast here is that we, were, we, we get a little meta with it, um, meaning that uh, I thought it'd be fun to just talk with you a little bit about our general impressions of how it's been going, some of the things that that we've learned, or um, some of the things that we've taken away from from uh, the first few months of of putting together, putting on a podcast, and then we'll have a few questions from audience members a little bit later on that are kind of along the same lines as well. So, just in general, how how would you describe, or what have been some of your general impressions of starting a pro- podcast, helping me start a podcast project like this, and um, and now a few months into it. Yeah, well, maybe um, to start, I should say what my involvement has been. Yeah. Um, so uh, we maybe talked a little bit about this last time around, but when you originally presented the idea to me about starting a podcast, you had some questions about if, uh, if I thought that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. I was, I was very supportive. Oh, yeah, you were right and, on board right away within a minute or two of me saying it. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, I thought the idea for or having conversations with uh, everyday people about mm-hmm. their area of expertise, I, I like that. And um, as we talked about this a little more, it might have been the, the next time you had some more questions about maybe like what I would do in this situation. Like, like you asked me, would it be smart to have a website for something like yeah. this? Or yeah. would I need a website? And I kind of got, got to thinking that I could use some of my skills um in marketing and graphic design Mm -hmm. um and and help you um and yeah so we basically decided to partner um and yeah i guess we we strategized a little bit about uh what the podcast was going to be look was going to look like but a lot of um my role was yeah the the marketing so um you know, a logo and mm-hmm. some of the graphics, the website, um, and yeah, like our presence on social media, I've been um, helping with that. Um, and Right, yeah. You run the Instagram account and set up the YouTube and, and uh, is there anything else you do with that? 
Uh, well, the, the image, other than creating the images. Yeah, right. No, I um, meant as far as running yeah. social media. Yeah. No, that's been great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so far I've, I've really enjoyed um, doing that. And one of the, one of the things as well as I've, um, or the two of us together uh, share the anchor account, I guess. So we look at the analytics yeah. together and it's, <laughs> it's been fun to um, kind of, yeah, look at those, the numbers as, as uh, they come in and, and kind of discuss. Um, I always, I always got way too, uh, way too, or cared way too much about the numbers when I was creating YouTube videos more, oh, yeah. more regularly. And I would, you know, like every day be checking, like, you know, how many people watched at this time. Um, so yeah, I obsessed about it too much, but, um, there's, there's something I really enjoy about that at the same time. Um, and so it's been really fun to have someone else to, uh, to look at them with and, yeah. and to discuss together. trends or, um, that kind of thing. And, um, please no one get the idea that there are massive amounts of people that are, um, tuning into the podcast on a weekly basis or anything. It's uh, it's very small. Um, but it has been fun to see a little bit of growth over, over the, the last few months that we've been doing it. And so, um, that's not, not the only thing that I'm going for anything necessarily, but it is fun to, to see those numbers climb a little bit. Um, and, uh, if you look back at the trends, there's a little bit of growth there. So that's been exciting. And right. just along with that, um, I, it, I wouldn't like to go back and, and do it without your help on the promotional and graphic design side, side of things. But I doubt that we would have the same, or I think the small numbers of listeners that we have would be a lot smaller <clears throat> if it wouldn't be for the amazing professional looking um, graphics that you put out um, on a weekly basis. So I think that's, that's just been great that you're um, able to do that and been willing to do that and um, put the time and energy into it and it's 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 so much fun for me even to to be able to share those and mm -hmm. um and uh, put those out and i haven't heard from a lot of people on it but i've gotten a few comments um since it's been coming out that that they just look really professional and people are noticing them even if we don't hear it all the time so just wanted to share that with you that i have heard that from a few people hmm. yeah thanks for sharing and yeah i i don't know that it may it makes a, a huge difference in uh how many listeners you have now um but i know like talking about it at the at the beginning um for example you weren't you weren't sure if you wanted to do facebook and um, right, part yeah. of that was was just like you you have enough work as it is with uh with recording and and doing all that and you're you're yeah. busy besides that and, and so yeah just having another person to help manage that yeah, allowed you sure. to or allowed us to do that in the first place. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've, I've, uh, enjoyed helping you with it. Um, and yeah, I've, I'm sure you've, you've gotten more, um, feedback from people actually talking to you, but I've seen some of the, um, emails and messages that you've gotten on social, social media and such. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's always, it's always great to see, um, that uh that encouragement for you and um a couple there there have been a couple messages from people that you don't necessarily know that yeah. maybe had a connection to one of the guests or something and mm -hmm. so it's always really interesting to see that connection that uh that 
people might uh, make that way. Yeah, that's for sure. And it's it's so neat when people are willing to to take the time to write a note or to share something that they appreciated from from an episode or um, just take the time to to say that they've been enjoying it. Um, and uh, yeah, there's been a few people that I don't know or uh, maybe know who they are, but but don't know them personally that have mm-hmm. that have sent me a message and that's that's been really meaningful. And um, I another part of that is I love hearing how what other people have taken away from a certain episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's been a lot of fun as well. Yeah, and I was going to say along with that too, as far as are people enjoying it, um, uh, a little while ago, a month, month ago or so, we were hanging out with uh, with some of our cousins. We mm-hmm. had a yeah. games night. And we got to talking about the, the podcast. And it was really interesting for me to hear because um, all of them sounded like they had listened to multiple episodes and were yeah. really enjoying it. And I wouldn't have necessarily thought that they were podcast people. And right. I guess maybe some of them admitted that they aren't or they weren't until uh, this podcast came along. So hearing hearing that from them, um, that they're, how much they're enjoying it. And, you know, we were talking about some specifics uh, in episodes. And yeah. stuff. But that was really, really fun for me to hear. And I'm sure it was for you as well. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that was a fun conversation. And, and um, it has sparked conversations with, like in person with, with friends and family um, over the last few months, like it's, it can be a, um, a starting point for a conversation and um, people say something uh, about a certain episode and that will lead into a, a conversation then for a few minutes. And, and so that, that part of it's been really fun. And um, I, I've enjoyed multiple parts of, of doing this project, but that's been one of the most fun is connecting with, with listeners and um, hearing what their impressions are and, and um, talking further about it. So, so yeah. yeah, that's been great. Um, just uh, two pieces of feedback that I wanted to mention um, is actually from, from two old school buddies. And um, one of those was that I heard from a couple weeks ago was Jason Shant. And um, he sent me a message and he said that, that he really enjoyed hearing from um, episode seven, I believe it was, with my uncle Kevin Martin. Um, and a few people also had mentioned this specific thing. Um, and that was his where Kevin shared his ideas of success and failure. And, right. um, and I think that that connected with with a few people, but it was it was really good to hear from Jason again um, about that. I hadn't, had haven't talked to him for quite a while, so so that was great. Yeah. And um, then just a few days ago, um, Chad Bauman, who was um, a year behind me at Countryside, so um, spent a lot of school years with him, shared one of um, one of the posts about um, Steve's episode, episode thirteen, and was just talking about how much he enjoyed. Um, that episode, and uh, that was that was really neat to hear his his feedback there as well. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention is that I've enjoyed seeing how the format has kind of solidified, and what I mean by that is the the interview format that I use, and the those that are paying close attention, the the wonderful. Um, ones of you that have listened to every episode have probably figured out that I kind of ask similar questions or kind of follow a, a similar theme throughout an interview. 
And um, that's been fun. I enjoy that consistency and enjoy like, hearing. For example, what's keeping you busy currently? And then what are your hobbies? Yeah. And then, Have like you that. listened to every episode? Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <okay. laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of the idea. Um, but also more generally how I, I enjoy hearing about someone's story, how they got into it. And then we'll, we'll like to ask some questions about the specifics of their, mm -hmm. of their um, expertise. And um, yeah, so that's, it's been, a, it, it wasn't necessarily a plan right away. So that's kind of developed and maybe it'll, maybe it will change, but I'm a, I like consistency. So it makes it a lot easier for me if I kind of have a plan and format to follow as well. Yeah. But uh, one thing that struck me recently. And um, so when I came up with the name and the idea of everyday expertise, I was thinking of it as being everyday people sharing their expertise. Mm -hmm. And what's neat about that is that it's, we often, or I often don't think of that necessarily as expertise. If it's not, um, maybe not, if it's just a, a, a job that lots of people have, or um, maybe one that doesn't require as much training or something like that, I maybe tend to not think of it as much as expertise. Um, and so that was my idea that to, to highlight those things. Mm -hmm. But then as I was um, thinking about guests, it's uh, been a lot of fun having guests on that have a very specific area of expertise that's different than a, than a lot of people. And so we maybe think of, of that person that, uh, that they've done a lot of time and energy into their training and development and um, are doing something that not many people are doing. But what I thought of is that everyday expertise works really well for that also because it highlights how someone with expertise in an area that a lot of people don't have is just an everyday person as well. Mm, yeah. So it, it kind of flips it and it, it can it can work both ways. And so um, that's, that's kind of, I think, what's, what I've been doing. But, um, but I just had that thought a, a little while ago and I, I thought that was... That's kind of a neat way where it can be taken both ways, everyday expertise. So, so you came to the realization that you named your podcast perfectly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well done. <laughs> one, one other thing I wanted to say uh, that I forgot to mention was um, concerning my role with helping you in the podcast is uh, that we should really mention our photographer as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Good point. Mom has been taking pictures of all the guests. Um, and yeah, she's done a really great job with that. So you have, um, you have good quality images to work with. Yeah. And they're, um, yeah, basically they're basically, uh, similar in, you know, how, how they're standing and lighting and stuff like that. Um, you know, from the big window. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah so that helps to have a, a nice consistent look for each one of the guests. Um, yeah. Which, which I really like. I don't know how much uh, other people notice it, but <laughs> yeah, um, no. And that's, um, I think that just helps to, to make the, the promotional images that much better. So well, that's great. Um, did you really think about it the one time when I tried to take a picture cause mom wasn't, wasn't around. <laughs> at the time? I did. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, you maybe didn't have enough, uh, instructions from me or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was too far zoomed out, so um, right, yeah. by the time I got it to the the image to the size that I 
wanted it. It was a little bit grainy, but... Oh, okay, we, so that's what would happen. Yeah, we got mom to do retakes, and uh, it all worked out. Yeah, it was nice that it worked out well for that guest to to come and get a get a retake. Yes. All right, anything else that, uh, that you wanted to say before we um, take some of the audience questions that we gathered? No, I don't think so. I'd say let's move into the audience questions. All right, sounds good. So the first one is from Conrad... Um, and thank you, Conrad, um, for this question. And the question is, what are your top three cereals and why? So Ricky, what are your top three cereals and why? Better take them one at a time and explain why, unless they all kind of are the same reason. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, uh, this is a great question. It is a great question. Something that I don't think gets discussed enough. (laughs) Um, and... I actually, so I've actually put some thought into this since, since the question came in, um, and think like my, um, my top cereals have really changed over, over my life. So I, if you had gotten this question like 10 years ago, it'd be a different list than what you're right, going to share. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. Like I used to really go for the, the sugary ones, like, oh, yeah. uh, um, like Lucky Charms. And yeah, I, I still enjoy that, but uh, for some reason, it, it seems more like um, I, I don't know. Yeah, it seem it doesn't seem as like wholesome or something. Um, when yeah, it's just really, really sweet and sugary. It's more like eating candy or something. Um, but um, yeah. And I was gonna say now I I hardly ever eat cereal. Like we don't. We oh don't really? really keep, okay. Yeah, we don't really keep cereal at home, um, so it's not really. So it's kind of a treat every time I do. But I think uh, my my current top three cereals. We'll we'll start with number three, is Shreddies. Okay. Um and yeah, so it's definitely different than the the sweet cereals that yeah, I, I used to like. Sure. Um, but something about the texture. Uh, I really like it's got okay. it's got it's it's just got a good crunch to it and it it feels like it's got some substance like you're really you're really eating you know a real breakfast food when when <laughs> nice. you eat it um <laughs> doesn't it get kind of soggy in milk like do you eat it in milk yeah but okay. you got I mean you gotta you gotta time it right like okay, you can't take too long so it can get you, too too soggy yeah, if I mean, you leave it too long but that's any cereal pretty much yeah it? that's true yeah um and then number two is uh, Golden Grams. Okay. I uh, really like Golden Grams. Again, it's got that, it's got something about that crunch and texture or something that I like, but it's a little sweeter. So right. that puts it above Shreddies. And then number one is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Okay. Um, it's, I mean, you, you may, may notice a pattern here. They're all rectangles and they're all, <laughs> they're all crunchy. So they have that in common that's true and then cinnamon toast crunch is like it's getting pretty close to one of those sweet cereals yeah i was gonna i I was gonna (laughs) say that they're getting kind of sweeter as you get up the list yeah so that that would feel like a a treat you know a little less like a a breakfast food but uh very good yeah i um i enjoy um two of those quite much that you shared but uh i've never gotten into golden grams um a whole lot so maybe i'll have to try that one again i approach the list a little bit or the the question a little differently and um instead of um 
answering with my top three cereals, I decided to answer with my top three ways to eat cereal. And uh, this is different too than when I was young um, because this was these ways have been very much influenced by my wife. Um, so right. the ways to uh, eat cereal are first of all, to that it needs to be at least two kinds. So before um, at the same time, yeah, before I before I was married, I never mixed cereals. I would I think my I think dad did it sometimes and I would see other people do it, but I never um, did myself. Um, but Joy convinced me to try it. And now I do it every time. Number two is um, I don't like the sweet kinds anymore. So, I mean, I, I don't mind them, but um, they're not my favorite. And so I would not choose Lucky Charms or Cinnamon Toast Crunch um, like I would have when I was younger. So now the sweet, but the sweetest that I'll go for is Honey Nut Cheerios. And um, I like Corn Flakes and, and Rice Krispies. So I'll mix either um, Corn Flakes and Honey Nut Cheerios or um, Rice Krispies and Corn Flakes or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the third way it needs to be is with uh, milk and fruit. So mm -hmm. I always have to have fruit on my cereal now. And the, the best are peaches or strawberries or raspberries or blueberries. Those are the best um, cereal fruits. So we eat a lot of cereal and we always eat it like that, um, basically. Except yeah. for Sundays, then we have a little bit of a sweeter cereal on Sundays. But Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, uh, yeah, it's a lot better with fresh fruit. And some of those or like something like Shreddies or Life, I think is a lot better with fruit. Like yeah. the fruit really enhances a cereal that's less sweet on its own I think. right and and it's actually better with a cereal like that than with a sweet cereal right if you mix, yeah, yeah, mix exactly. fruit with a with lucky charms or something that wouldn't really work so yeah, yeah to get fruit in then i like the not quite a sweet kind so um i kind of changed the or like adapted the question then a little bit and i'm going to throw this at you yet ricky um do you have a favorite cereal box design or is there anything that stands out to you when you eat cereal in the morning and and stare at the box um well like i said we we don't eat it that much true, so I, yeah. I don't know if i stare at them in the morning enough to really know um i will say and this is actually this almost could have probably made the top three is mini wheats oh yeah um i i really enjoy that cereal and i i, I like the box design too the little the little mini wheat guy is pretty cute pretty nice, cool yeah. and there was <laughs> do you remember ever hearing that commercial um, I think maybe played on the the radio a while back. It was a a song. Yeah, I about think mini that, that rings a bell. Yeah, that is. I think that's the only like advertisement I can think of that for cereal. For any cereal, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, catchy song. Very good and catchy uh, character, little cartoon characters as well. Yeah. Very good. All right. So thank you, Conrad, for that question. All right, question two, and uh, this one is um, aimed at you, Ricky, and uh, from Wendy. So, Ricky, were you interested in graphic design in high school? That's a good question. Um, I I think I was, I think I wouldn't have necessarily known um, what graphic design was exactly, or that that uh, it would have been an option for a career. So it wasn't like in high school, I was like, I want to be a, a graphic designer and, and that's what I want to do. Um, but at the same time, I think I, I enjoyed um, 
aspects of graphic design. Mm -hmm. Like I really enjoyed um, drawing all all through um, grade school and right. into high school as well. And um, we had we. I think it was probably in grade nine or 10, we learned a few um, or a bit of software that was somewhat related to graphic design. Okay. Um, do you remember the Serif uh, software? Did you guys yeah, do that I, at all? I might have used it like as part of the yearbook project when I did that. I don't remember if we used that yeah. or not, but I, ne I never did it like as a, as a class or anything like that. Okay. But I know other other students um, were when I was teaching there. Yeah, I think I think we did have a class on it. It might have been like preparing us for the yearbook at the end of the year. Okay. But I, there, I remember one project was a a calendar. We had to make I think six months of a, a calendar. Okay, I remember. Yeah, using... we had to do that project as well. Okay. Yeah, when and I was in school. I I really enjoyed that. Okay. Um, and yeah, just like figuring out how to try to put images together and mm -hmm. make graphics like it was terribly designed okay <laughs> if i yeah. look at it now yeah. but i had a lot of had a lot of fun doing it um as well as working on um the yearbook mm, yeah. uh, for school so so yeah I, th I think there were parts that i definitely enjoyed um but like i said it wasn't necessarily a career i was interested in you weren't necessarily choosing classes or things like that that were going to get you into into graphic design when you were in high school no and yeah I, i'm i'm pretty sure that was in grade nine or ten and it was mandatory um right okay and yeah and then in grade 11 and 12 when we could take electives and and choose some of that i i did do one um they they let me do a movie making or or film type of elective okay. where uh somehow i got a textbook and I think nice. uh, like a DVD or something that had lessons on it. Okay. So I, I worked, I kind of on my own worked through that. Um, so again, not not really related to, to graphic design, but that was maybe the closest thing that I chose. Nice, yeah. If, um, if you were asked by a high school student or one getting ready to go into high school and um, you were asked if there are specific things that a high school student should be doing now to prepare for a career in graphic design. Would you have a, an answer for them? Um, I think, first of all, um, or one thing would be learning, learning software and just getting practice mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, Photoshop or Illustrator. Those are the Adobe ones. I think yeah. there are alternatives as well. Um, so that would be one thing. And, and the other thing would be, um, to just like really try to start paying attention to, um, to design that's all around, right, like yeah. logos and, you know, you pick up a book, like what does the book cover look like? What, okay, what yeah. do you like about it? What do you don't, what's easy to read? What's unique? Um, yeah, just, I guess, try to really start paying attention to to nice. uh, what's designed around you. Yeah, I was just, uh, I listened to our episode that we did there for episode one of the podcast. And um, I like the idea that you gave there to like find a design that you like, um, whether it's a uh, an album cover or a poster or a book cover or something like that, and then try to recreate it with, with mm. the software. I thought that that's a great idea to bring together that, that noticing what's around you and then practicing 
um, as well. So yeah, that was a great suggestion for people that want to want to practice or want to get better at graphic design. Yeah. And something I find really fun, even now, if I have the time is just is finding a tutorial on YouTube mm. um, for, I don't know, making maybe making uh, cool letters in Photoshop or something. Okay. Or now okay. it's probably more uh, an animation in After Effects. OK, um, but and you like follow it it's step by step. I love step by step instructions. Yeah. But but at the same time, you're you're learning new things because um, you're like, oh, I didn't know that, uh, you know, you can apply a blur to a drop shadow like that or I didn't oh, know yeah. you could yeah do this or whatever. Um, so that's something that or a good way to learn the, the software is just to follow tutorials like that, because yeah. for me anyway, it's really fun and you're learning lots at the same time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you for uh, for those things. And thank you, Wendy, for the question. All right, next question is also for you, um, Ricky. And this is from Trevor. What is your favorite Pantone of the year? So start, please, by telling me what a Pantone is. Was uh, I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, a Pantone is a color. Um, and I think it's a like a brand or a company, but it's... Did they like um, and, start this? This I believe whole so. Thing? I, yeah. yeah, I don't know when, but I think they've been around for a while. But they have, or there's the Pantone matching system, and there's a specific number for a whole bunch of different colors. Um, I th I think it's like for print for for when you're printing, um, and so it's it's supposed to be like uh, or you you get that. Um, like pure color. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know all the details, but one thing, for example, is when you're, let's say you're printing a whole bunch of um, packaging for Egos, like the waffles. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I think their their logo is red and that would probably be a specific Pantone. I don't know that for sure, but I'm guessing. Okay, yeah. Um, so when they'd print a whole bunch of those boxes at once, they have this huge printer that, um, it will have CMYK, so cyan, uh, magenta, yellow, and black. Okay. Yeah. And, but so a, a Pantone color would be like its own separate ink. Um, cause all the oh, other colors would, okay. would be a mixture of CMYK. Right. The different inks together. Um, but, uh, a Pantone color would be like that, that pure color. That's, that's one place where it's used like brands, okay. um, to make sure that they're like the Coca-Cola red is always the exact gotcha. shade of red. No matter where it's printed around yeah. the world kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it probably goes, goes beyond that. Um, and yeah, so there's a, I think they, they pick a color each year. Um, I like <laughs> this company or, does or yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, I saw that link you sent and this tw 2020s color is classic blue. <laughs> um, and last year's color, 2019, was, I think it was called Living Coral. Okay. And that's my favorite. Nice. <laughs> Is it kind of a marketing thing that they pick this Pantone of the year? Or, um... uh, yeah, I'm guessing. Okay. Um, the only place I'd heard of it before is there's this website, um, again, Adobe, not a sponsor, um, but where you can pick color palettes. Okay. So you can like take an image and it'll, you know, pick different points on the image and make a color palette for you. And there's just a, a huge library of 
color palettes. So like five color swatches that people have used together. Okay. Um, and I know on that on that website they've promoted their um, their Pantone of the Year. That's where I saw the the Living Coral. Okay. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. So you said Living Coral is your favorite Pantone of the Year. Yeah. Also, go Trevor. Um, he <laughs> he added right after that that it was sort of a joke. Right. right? Yeah. So we may have just like. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know wasted the last three minutes there um but yeah I, anyway there, there you go i Pantones. don't know i don't know what the joke like if yeah uh, what if what exactly the joke is but i did when i was looking <clears throat> it up um it seemed like it was almost in some ways like um all right sorry where i read an article on um what the this was like published at the end of 2019 on what the pantone of the year is for 2020 the classic blue or yeah. whatever it was um and it seemed like they were approaching it almost like a horoscope or something like this is going to be a classic <laughs> blue year and so here are the things you want to wear and uh the things you want to do and i don't <laughs> yeah, know if they so... had, i don't know if they had covid-19 in mind when they when they picked that classic blue for this year or so not. so maybe the joke was like nobody actually cares about this i'm or... i'm guessing yeah i don't know anyway yeah. thanks for answering it um yeah so uh so then the next question um is to you rollin and what was the most intimidating thing about starting a podcast yeah that's a that's a great question and um there were definitely a few things and for any project that I do, I definitely face some self-doubt. And um, so for starting this, I would say that that was, a, that was a big one. I would come up with an idea and then a day later, a few hours later, I'd be like, oh, is this really a good idea? Would anyone listen? Um, would, uh, do I really want to put myself out there like this with with a podcast um, but thankfully I in um, when I got the idea to start a podcast I was watching a series of videos that I found on YouTube and one of the first things that they warned about was I believe that they called it the imposter syndrome um, that it's easy for people to get when they start a new project and mm. that's kind of the the idea that um, and it goes with self-doubt that but why do I can I really put myself into a platform like this where I've never been before and um, it's easy to to get those thoughts that I don't belong um, I'm not a podcaster I don't belong yeah in this place. I think I think a lot of people share that uh, that same imposter syndrome or, or whatever and yeah it's, it's so easy to think like there there are so many people who could do a better job at this than yeah, that, or yeah. who already are like yeah why exactly would, why would people choose to listen to this or whatever yeah and um, just just hearing that that it's a thing, naming it and um, and being aware of it so early on really helped me to to be okay with with those those thoughts and and um, and even coming to the point where where I'm not doing it just to get people to listen, but I'm doing it for myself as a learning opportunity and um, a way to grow and hopefully a way to to bring conversations with people to anyone that wants to listen. And, um, and that's been a, a really great thing. Um, yeah. Another thing that was quite intimidating is the whole tech side of it, the audio um, part, which right. I 
not definitely not my favorite part of it. Um, I did it because I wanted to to do a podcast, so I learned a little bit about audio and looked up equipment and and things like that. And um, it quickly becomes overwhelming. Becomes overwhelming because there's so much, so many options, so much different types of equipment that you can get, <laughs> um, and there's thousands of of types of microphones from um, the microphone on your phone which you already have to five thousand dollar microphones that you can get and there's different types of microphones and then you need different types of equipment to go with it depending on the types of of um, microphone and and so it it's really overwhelming um, or at least felt that way to me and especially since it's not something that that I really enjoyed it wasn't the reason I was podcasting um, but it uh, finally just made a decision and went with it and learned how to use it. And um, thankfully, um, the good news is that it really wasn't that bad. And so maybe what I'll say with that is that podcasting is something that is really accessible. And um, so it, it, it's a little bit of learning if, um, if you're not familiar with recording equipment. But the other thing that's really nice about it and that's changed in the last few years is it's really easy to get your podcast out there. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm using Anchor and there's other hosts as well um, that that make it really easy. You just um, upload it, follow their instructions, and within an hour or two, you can have a working podcast. And with a few days, this one was spread out to the different podcast players that that everyone uses. So that was really nice that that's so easy now. And it's, it wasn't from the, some of the books I was reading, it wasn't that way even just a few years ago that it, that it's that okay. accessible for everyone. Yeah. So yeah, if, if there's a, some of you out there are thinking of, of starting a podcast, um, it's, it's definitely possible. I think anyone can do it. Anyone with uh, some recording device and an internet connection to, to get it out there. And um, one thing that I've decided since I've started it is the world's a better place if everyone's podcasting. So um, <laughs> every single person, <laughs> yeah, because um, and we're having conversations and and sharing ideas and things like that. And um, and then I think if ever, if you podcast, you're probably going to listen to podcasts more too. So um, in that way, I think it would be better. And uh, the third intimidating thing is. I find coming up with questions for a topic that I know a little about mm, can yeah. be can be intimidating. So um, I liked what Roseanne said on episode eight, and uh, she was talking about students that are in their first year or just getting into a new topic. Mm -hmm. They ask questions that that aren't really based in reality, and so can sound really strange or or funny and maybe can even be good questions sometimes to someone that that is an expert in a certain area so that's a fear fear of mine with especially um topics that i'm not familiar with is that i'll ask a question that will seem somewhat absurd to <laughs> to my guest um so i worry about that a little bit but it's gone all right so far yeah um and then along along with that question or kind of contrasting what uh what parts of podcasting have you enjoyed the most Definitely the conversations that I've gotten to have with people um, have been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot and it's just, yeah, it's been a really great time. And maybe something I'll say specifically about that is in the last, I think it's been happening all along, but I've really noticed this, started to notice it in the last few episodes, is that as we talk, as we get into the conversation, usually about halfway through, 
um, the guest starts to relax and and kind of let loose a little bit more and and especially as they get into things that they're passionate about um, you can you can just see that passion come out and I've started mm -hmm. to look for that and it's been a lot of fun to to see that um, with guests so definitely yeah, one of my favorite things there um, and then I mentioned the other thing as well is hearing from different people um, about what episode they enjoyed or what part of an episode they enjoyed and I've been amazed how often the things that people mentioned to me that stood out to them is different than things that I took away from an okay, episode. Yeah. So it's just fun to see that we're all different. And um, it's it's helped me to sometimes I think that, oh, that episode didn't go as well. And then I'll hear from someone that, oh, they just really enjoyed it and learned a lot from it. So that's yeah, been so really great to hear. It's been just a good reminder of different or how everyone has their own unique perspective and just comes to the table with... Uh, with, yeah, with different viewpoints and their, yeah, different things stand out to them. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, our cousin Patrick asks, uh, what's been one of the most interesting things you've learned through recording the episodes? Yeah, so I took that question that said one and I picked three. And um, I decided to go with three super specific things um, that I've learned. And um, so the first one, is in my conversation with dad about um, from episode three about managing an apple orchard and just just before that um, I I really enjoyed that conversation I I've enjoyed the ones where I learn about a completely new topic and don't know um, before the conversation I don't know much about it but it was also really fun to talk with dad about something that I've talked to him about many times learned a lot about already um, and and there were just a few things from that conversation that I that I learned that were completely new that I didn't mm -hmm. know at all so that was a lot of fun and one of those was that um, that he said that the processes for that form the buds for the next year on an apple tree um, actually begin the, those buds begin developing um, already the year before and okay. um, that was a completely new thought to me uh -huh. um, that the the buds that are going to be coming in the spring of 2021 have already been developing for a few months um, on on the trees and that just helped explain some things like why you need to take care of an orchard if it um, if you're even if you're having a bad year you can't just let it go because um, it's going to affect the next year and it also explains I knew that some types of varieties will have a really good crop one year and then sometimes and then often not have a good crop the next year and they kind of have a two-year cycle like that mm. and so that kind of explained that they're putting all their energy into the good crop and then the buds need an extra year to yeah. to come back so it was fun to learn that that specific thing um, another one was from episode four with Gabriel Yancey and um, him teaching me that farm animals tend to be to have been prey animals and um, therefore will hide weaknesses like injury or disease. Um, and so a vet or a um, farmer or someone that takes care of animals has to be really aware of that, that they're not going to um, come telling you that they're, that they're yeah. injured or sick. Yeah, I found this uh, really interesting too. And that's actually the, the clip segment you used. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We ended up using for that episode. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the third one was from um, episode... 11 I believe it was with my cousin Logan and um, and learning from him that 
big chip companies, or at least some, will set up their own um, displays in the in the stores, or will like shelve the um, product themselves, display the product <laughs> themselves, and yeah. that just stood out to me, and I I thought was really interesting. So those were three super specific things that I've learned since doing this. I'm noticing that you kind of take the questions and then like put your own twist to the answer. Oh, is that bad? No, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Just something I've noticed. Yeah. Um, I, li I like doing that. Um, kind of surprise the, the person that asked the question a little bit. Um, all right. Another question we got was, how much time per week do you spend working on the podcast? So, Ricky, why don't you take that one first? Um, yeah. So, at this point, um, if you or if you notice the graphics that we put on social media, uh, and the images, there are three for each episode. Um, and we have a very, or a, yeah, a very specific template that we follow. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's basically just following that, uh, template and changing the image and some of, yeah, some of the graphics. Um, but yeah, probably about an hour and a half to two hours okay. per week. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have to spend a lot of time, like, deciding on the image to use and or like the the little images that will go with a specific episode and that kind of thing um or is that most of the time or um uh, probably most of the time is is actually doing the work okay gotcha. of of making those changes and stuff um and as far as yeah i it really depends on the episode like sometimes it, it just it seems like I know right away kind of what, mm, what yeah. I want to use and you like it. So we just go with it. And other times, yeah, I spend more time, you know, looking, looking for images or trying to figure out what, uh, yeah, what, uh, would make the most sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How about you? What, uh, what kind of time do you put into it per week? So my goal for when school started here at the beginning of September was that outside of recording, I'm going to try to spend two hours per week um, on it. And so that's doing things like lining up guests, preparing outlines, putting together the final episode. So I don't do any editing to the conversation. Um, I Occasionally I'll do a little bit, but I don't, don't do much. So is that like you're trying to keep it to two hours or you're trying to put at least two hours in? No, keep it to two yeah, hours. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, and then, so I choose the, the clip that we use um, for the, the video that comes out on Monday and choose a quote um, to go with the, the Friday posts and um, a few things like that. So it's, it's been a little more than, than two hours that I'm spending per week on it, but mm -hmm. it's still been a lot of fun. It's, it's, uh, it hasn't felt like, like tough work um, so far at this point. So, so it's, it's been great and been a fun hobby to do um so far so so is a lot of does a lot of time go into research or like coming up with the questions and, and researching a guest or how do you how do you go about doing that um i probably should spend a little bit more time on it depending on how well i know the topic i'll just pull questions um from the top of my mm -hmm. head and um and go with that and i kind of have a template like we talked about earlier that that it's kind of formed around um, if I don't know the topic as well or don't know the guest as well, I'll spend a little bit more time um, coming up with mm -hmm. with the outline. But uh, it hasn't been that hasn't been too difficult 
um, for me. Like I don't spend hours on it or anything. I can come up with the outline fairly quickly, I would say. Yeah. So, and it's fun. I enjoy seeing what questions I can come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, our next question is from Joy. And she asks, where do you see this podcast in five years? Yeah, the, so the, the big five-year question. Yeah, this is my uh, this is my wife's question, um, and so I would say that it's a hobby, and so it's something that I'm doing because it's enjoyable and I'm learning a lot from it, both from conversations with guests and also I feel like I'm learning skills in interviewing and uh, recording that kind of thing, and so if I'm continuing to enjoy it, continuing to find people to interview and um, people are enjoying listening to it, I could see it continuing for a long time. Five years seems like a long time at this point, but, but suddenly five years are gone and you look back and it's, it, uh, it went, um, went by quickly. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know at this point if it'll still be going in five years or if it'll look different or if it'll be less frequent or more frequent, but... Um, at this point, it's a hobby, and so if I continue to enjoy doing it, I would continue to do it um, at that point. It'd be nice if it grows, but not not why I'm doing it. So if it if it doesn't, that's that's fine, and and uh, I can make a decision whether to keep doing it or not um, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question is also from Joy. When are you opening your swag shop? <laughs> Sometimes uh, when I talk to my wife, I get the feeling that she wants me to make money from this project, um, and so I'm not uh, not sure if that's uh, if that's where what she's um, thinking with this question or not. And that's I I should probably clarify something here. And um, she reminded me of this after our first the very first episode came out, um, where we were talking about the origin of the, the the idea for the podcast and that kind of thing. Right. And I said something along the lines of. I talked to a bunch of people and they were all very encouraging and supportive and thought I'd do a good job of, of doing a podcast like this. And so I found that very encouraging and wanted uh-huh. to do it. And she reminded me that, that she wasn't necessarily fully on board when I first <laughs> brought the idea. And um, so how it happened, I think, and um, this, is, this is mostly my fault, but um, I think I sometimes will... I run conversations through in my head all the time. And so like preparing for an interview, I am just having a imaginary conversation with the guest um, in my mind. And I'm like, always... you actually hear your voice talking yeah, inside your head. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, and sometimes that happens where I plan to say something to joy and think that I've said it. And, um, and then realize that, no, that was just in my head. I didn't actually say that. I don't know if other people have that problem or not. And I don't think it happens to me all the time. But um, I think I had in mind that I had talked more with her about the idea than I actually had. And um, the other part of it was that I come up with ideas all the time. And um, we'll share them with her. And most of them are just um, ideas that will never go anywhere. And... Um, and she writes them off, and and um, that's fine. But this one kind of um, stuck and um, and kept going. And I I don't know. I wonder if she kind of thought 
that this one's going to die too and didn't realize that in my mind it was continuing to grow and, and to become an idea and I just did not communicate very well. And uh, what happened was suddenly I was buying equipment and hadn't communicated this very well. And, and she's like, Roland, we got to talk about big purchases like this. And I thought, I'm like, I thought we had, I'm sorry. And um, yeah, so it was not good communication on my part. And, and um, so anyway, it was when we listened to that first, when she listened to that first episode, she said, uh, Roland, was, was everyone on board um, with this, <laughs> this podcast idea from the beginning? And I'm like, yeah, um, I, I kind of wasn't thinking about that. Sorry. So uh, sorry about that, Joy. And um, the good news is that she is very much um, on board now. And Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, and has, uh, has been a um, faithful listener and uh, gives me lots of ideas. And, um, and her favorite episode was uh, the one with Cam on... Uh, on respiratory yeah. therapy so um, makes sense yeah, it's fun discussing it with her too so i maybe i missed it but um what was the answer to the question when when are when can the fans expect to be able to purchase merch yeah so i have no <laughs> no plans for any merchandise at this point but i was going to throw the question to you what would you suggest um for everyday expertise merch what should we once we hmm. do open the, the shop what should what should we have like a, a t-shirt I mean, with the two little uh, talking bubbles or I was thinking we maybe more use like the the more expanded graphics like from the website um, like that could look pretty cool like pretty big on a t-shirt I think oh okay. you know what I'm talking about like it's the two bubbles but then it's got those oh those yeah, other yeah. elements behind it kind of gotcha yeah yeah um, yeah maybe yeah maybe let us know if you if you're interested in uh, getting an everyday expertise t-shirt I'm and sure we can, we can maybe make that. Yeah, happen. I'm sure Ricky can use his connections to get you one if you uh, if you really want one, but but no plan to advertise them at this point. All right, um, thank you everyone for uh, for all those questions, and we have one more um, yet that we're going to kind of use to to uh, um, segue into a little bit of a different um, segment here, and this is from Anthony, our cousin, telling us to. Uh, make sure that we tell everyone about our epic upcoming marathon. And uh, yeah, so Ricky, you and I enjoy running a little bit. And um, you did two marathons last year, and I joined you for the second one in the fall, um, almost a year ago now. That was a lot of fun. Um, there's a video on it on uh, YouTube on Ricky's channel if you um, anyone wants to, to see that. And uh, we're planning to run one again this year. And... Um, Unfortunately, we can't because of the pandemic um, or can't do it in the normal way in Toronto like we would have wanted to. Um, but they came up with this and I, they came up with this idea for a virtual marathon where people around the world can run it and input their time and we get a T-shirt and a medal, hopefully. Um, yeah. Anyway. And um, in doing this, Ricky came up with this uh, uh, great idea. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're planning to do? Yeah. So um like you said well okay we we had been expecting for a while that there's a really good chance that the um, actual marathon wasn't going to happen correct yeah. and so we, we kind of said well we'll keep we'll keep training as if we're going to run in it and then if if it is canceled like it probably will be maybe we can run our own marathon so then when we heard about the virtual we're like yeah this, that's true yeah we had been do it. i forgot we'd been talking about just doing the distance on right, our, on our right. own and uh, but then decided to to make it a little bit more official so 
yeah, so basically I, I got to thinking um, that we could plan a route that would go by a few people's places that we know in the area. And then that, that could be our way of having a, at least a few fans along yeah. the way um, or, or people at least uh, seeing what we're doing or cheering us on as we go by. Because, um, yeah, one, one thing about running an actual marathon is, uh, well, two things. One is that there are constantly people running uh, like alongside yeah. you, with you. And there are a lot of people that come um, to watch to watch people, and uh, they do a really good job of cheering the runners on. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is it, yeah, it, it's great if you're if you're a runner. I find mm-hmm. so those those will be two things we're missing. So I guess it's a way to maybe kind of try to counter that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, hopefully it'll it'll go well even without the normal support that um, that we'd have. But uh, at least we'll have uh, each other and we're not just doing this on our own um, for it. So we're planning to do it on October 10th, Saturday morning. And um, so if anyone in the area wants to, wants to join us, are they welcome to do that? Or is it just going to be the two of us? Yeah. When's this going live? The ninth? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so so you got one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Anything else that you wanted to, to say on the, on the marathon? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. So then for our last segment, we um, had one of our fans, and uh, this is our mom, um, who came up with this idea, this list of questions for us. And just before we look at it, we haven't actually looked at it yet. She wondered if we'd want to um, just get the questions and then answer them spontaneously. It's about our, I guess, about our past, maybe about our childhoods. I'm not exactly sure what it's, what the questions are going to be. And uh, but before we get into them, I thought that I would just share how great it is to have a parent support in something. And so in the email that mom sent us wondering if we'd like her to create a list of questions for us, she said she signed it as your fan. And um, I just thought how how neat it is that um, that mom's supportive of a project like this and how great it is to to have a parent support. Um, and, uh, so it was a good reminder for me as a parent to, to, to think about that, um, and how much of a role I have in, in encouraging my, my, my child. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, uh, a few times encouragement has come through in conversations that I've had with, with guests and, um, it's, it's a really powerful thing, just a, a little word of encouragement to someone and, and letting letting them know that they do well at something and that can really spur someone on. So um, I thought I thought that was neat. Um, so let's here, let's do it like this. Um, All right. I'll ask the first one and um, and then you answer the first one first and then I'll add anything to it. And then um, you answer the the. Um, you asked me this, the second one, and we'll just go back and forth. Go back like and that. forth. Are you just going right. to open them up one at a time? Is yeah. what you're doing? Okay, yeah. perfect. All right, so the first question is, what are some books you remember that Dad and I read to you at bedtime? Um, bedtime. So as Ricky's thinking about that, um, for quite a few years, Mom and Dad would take turns reading to us before bed. Um either every night or every other night, I forget, maybe it changed. Um, but we got a lot of be- books, um, 
read to us that way. So, uh, Ricky, do you remember any that that were read to us? Man, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on on uh, specific ones. Did I, I want to say um, "Treasure in the Snow" or "Treasures in the Snow"? Okay. Did Mom read that one to us? Could be. I I wouldn't remember that one specifically, but um, um, it's been a long time since I've I've heard that book. Um, the one that came to my mind right away was I believe the title was "Sissy Kid Brother." Um, do you remember that book at all? It uh, was the name a, sounds so familiar. Okay, I think it was one that Dad would have had as a child or had read to him as a child or something like that. And um, I remember he was all excited to read it to us, and okay. we really enjoyed it. It was yeah. about a uh, young teenager that went along with a harvest crew, um, his family, like with older brothers and dad okay. out west, and he was the cook um, for it. And it was kind of a summer that... He learned a lot of things, and that grew him up, and okay, it being yeah. a really enjoyable story for us at that, at that time. No idea if the book's still in print or anything like that. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember another one? I think it was about baseball, and like there was a town, and with tracks, and there were like two sides of the tracks. Do you remember? Oh, that... Uh, that rings a bell. I remember Dad reading a few old sports books to us. Yeah. So I'm guessing it would have been one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Did he read some James Harriet stories to us too? Quite possibly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so those are a few that come to mind. Yeah. Um, next question is, what's an outstanding memory from family camping times at Lakewood? Oh, yes. So for a few years, um, or a number of years, our family would go to Christian Campground um, out uh, close to Sarnia and on Lake Huron. And... There was a Christian campground, and there was a church service there every Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And this isn't really a family memory, but it's a memory that I have from our family being there. I remember they had a guest speaker um, in to, to preach the Sunday morning sermon one time when we were there. And from what I recall, most of the sermon was him telling a story about his skydiving experience. <laughs> okay. And uh, that, that uh, memory... Um, sticks with me. He would have like sound effects for the plane. I remember that it, it took until the third um, time till he was brave enough to jump out. And um, so he had, the plane had to circle around like two times um, to give him another chance. And he had a sound effect for the plane circling around that I still remember. So. I see. I don't remember that. I must have been in Sunday school or not listening. <laughs> You're probably drawing. <laughs> um, one of my memories, <laughs> not necessarily a family memory, either but uh do you remember the the wagon rides yes so this uh guy um would drive a tractor that was pulling a wagon i think it was like every evening they, they, he'd just drive yeah. around the the campground yeah, and anyone who could ride it um anyone that wanted to could and i had um i had made friends with someone close by a kid my age i don't don't remember his name um but on this wagon ride, I specifically remember talking to him and, and I asked him how old he was. Because, you know, you got to, yeah. is, he, is he older, younger than you? And he said kind of quietly to me, he said, none of your beeswax. <laughs> <laughs> and then his mom, who was also on the ride, heard or heard something and, and said, what did you say? And he said it again, like even quieter. He's like, none of your beeswax. <laughs> And his mom got him in trouble. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you ever learn his age then? I think his mom made made uh, him tell me, but 
I don't remember the age or his name, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you remember the 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 line. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number three: How much can you recall on the recipes on the pink card still taped to the pantry door in our kitchen? And so it's, it's apparently it's still there, so we can go <laughs> check up on you. <laughs> Verify afterwards. after. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this is this was uh we had a a breakfast schedule yes, and we, we had did. To, we had to take turns making breakfast in the morning we either had to make breakfast for everyone or pack lunches yep. or sometimes we were off as well but we had a, a as, specific as the sisters started getting old enough to do the different tasks we would get an off day yeah that's right um and so these recipe cards had from my memory it told you how to make oatmeal and cream of wheat yeah hot porridge um, or yeah yeah and so yeah instead of uh memorizing the recipes i would open the cupboard door and check every single time i made them to, <laughs> so you don't to, know what <laughs> what they are anymore um no i, I remember I, exact measurements i don't think i'd remember i remember that we always made cream of wheat in the microwave and we made oatmeal on the stove right yeah. but um and you boil the water and then put the oatmeal in i don't remember how much i'm gonna guess a three-quarter cup of oatmeal i think That's... i think with the oatmeal there's something about stir till bubbling stops but that was always yeah. a problem because a bub bubbling wouldn't stop <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> unless you turn the heat down but turning the heat down wasn't until after the bubbling stopped but pretty soon i figured <laughs> out that you can't actually wait until the bubbling stops but yeah we'll yeah. have to we'll have to check yeah, afterwards definitely to see <laughs> um what sort of memories does the phrase the golf cart conjure up for you? The golf cart conjures up a lot of memories. We had a um, dad would use a gas powered golf cart to get around on the farm around check around the orchard and things like that. And at a certain age, we were allowed to drive it in off hours, um, at least sometimes. Sometimes we'd take friends on it or we'd always try to find chores that we could um, that would justify using the, the golf cart. And um, sometimes bad things would happen. And one bad thing that I caused was I was driving along um, one time and there was driving close to a junk pile. There was a long um, strand of junk wire that was beside the pile. And I thought it'd be fun to drive over it and hear it cackle underneath the golf cart and um, and, uh, and just keep going. But unfortunately, um, as I drove over it, it wound its, itself around the axle. I think it was the rear axle um, of the golf cart many, many times. Somehow it just hit it right and just, <laughs> just wow, coiled itself around that and um, had to get a wire cutters and, and cut it off like it. I wasn't able to unwind it. Um, it was pretty stiff wire, I guess. So I did cut the entire thing off. And thankfully, it wasn't worse than that. I remember that happening, but I forgot the detail about it, it was intentional that you drove over the wire. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I ever told anyone that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I remember making a decision. Oh, I'm going to go over it. Um, and being a poor decision. Do you have yeah, any memories? I do, unfortunately. Um, two that I'll share. One... Um, I was driving through the orchard or, or through a row beside or like a space beside the orchard and 
I was with um, our sisters, and one of them had a snack, like jelly beans or something, and <laughs> dropped them onto the floor of, of the golf cart. Okay. And so I kindly started helping pick them up oh, as I was driving. That was nice, um, I guess. Yeah, and forgot to watch where I was going and ran right into a tree. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> and put a dent in the front corner of um, the front corner of the golf cart and so that dent was was there until the day that the golf cart died so that always was a memory that lived on but I remember dad saying to me afterwards that he's like now is as good a time as any to learn that whenever you are driving something you have to watch where you're going at all times and so I, I always kind of think of that as a lesson I learned the easy way yeah um, no kidding <laughs> Yeah, and the other one is, like you said, we were always looking for an excuse to um, drive drive the golf cart, even if it was for a little bit. Um, and one day we were getting the our garden shed delivered, so it came on a trailer, yes. and they were they were unloading it. Um, and I noticed it was getting a little boring. It was kind of taking some time to unload this thing off the trailer, and I noticed that the golf cart was sitting in the sun. <laughs> and one this was this was something we'd do we'd ask if we could park it in the shade so you know it wasn't so hot the next time somebody actually needed to use it for real um so i'm guessing dad was pretty distracted so he he said yeah that's fine so i i hop on and get ready to put this thing in the shade and kayleen um uh my sister hops on as well for the ride right <laughs> to ride to the shade. To ride it into the shade <laughs> and so i put it in reverse to to back up and Killeen was sitting beside um me this is my memory of it so hopefully I, i'm not or yeah hopefully i'm getting it right but just kind of touched the pedal lightly with uh with her foot just enough to make it not go at all but just the sound like a right, motor yeah. kind of starting and i said don't press the pedal and then she floored it <laughs> And we were moving full speed backwards before I could, yeah, before I could like think what to do, like to right. hit the brakes or to, you know, kick her leg away or whatever. And before I knew it, we rammed, we, we sandwiched dad in between the golf cart and the trailer. So, so yeah. we, he didn't have time to move out of the way. Um, I think it was right up against the, the tire of the Yeah, trailer. it was because yeah. the, the nozzle or whatever ended up puncturing his his leg, yeah. which caused it to, to bleed a lot. I think that was actually, well, there's a lot of bruising too. Yeah. Um, I don't so, know if he would have been cut though, if it wouldn't have been for that the stem of the, the valve hitting, um, um, puncturing his leg. I don't know if it would have, if it would have bled, but it was pretty bad. Yeah. So um, I, yeah felt terrible for that for for a while after and i think kayleen did too and yeah did um, she think that you said to press the pedal or did she yeah, hit it I, accidentally I, I my in my memory of it that's okay um that's what happened but yeah no we always have that memory now when um we think about the day that the that the garden shed was delivered yeah all right question number five what are your impressions of a big deal event that happened in the world when you were in grade school? So do you remember any big events from uh, when you were in grade school? 
Um, the first one that comes to mind is 9-11. Yeah. I remember I was in grade three and I, yeah, I just remember our teacher saying something about how, yeah, some planes hit a building and, mm. and it was a big deal. I think, yeah, maybe more from the fact that she paused everything to tell us is kind of how we understood that right. it was a big deal or, or maybe from our memory of it now is that it was a big deal because we now know it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. That's, that's one that came to my mind right away as well. And I remember I was in grade five. It was, um, first or second week of school. So I always think about that because on the anniversary of it, it was, it's always at the beginning of the school year. And, I remember it from what my teacher said. It I knew it was a big deal, but it didn't strike me as as that big a deal until we got home and found mom listening to the radio, <laughs> just like laying on the bed or something, listening to the radio, which was very odd. Like at that time, she did not listen to the radio at all. Yeah, and uh, she told us that she had been listening to it all day, and um, I yeah, just that fact that was seeing mom do something so different from her normal routine routine, I think is what clued the, this, um, little 10 year old that, uh, <laughs> that something big had happened. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it was definitely big enough and reading about it in the news for weeks afterwards, I think, um, solidified how big it was an event it was, um, for me. But yeah, I think I can say at the time I knew it was, it, it was, it's not something that I've read back on to later. I think I was old enough to understand that. Mm -hmm. That it was something big. Yeah. Um, next here. What didn't you like about getting ready for company when you were young? Um, what I didn't like about getting ready for company, I think it was just a lot of work. So mom was good at putting us to work when there was work to be done. And mm -hmm. I never liked cleaning or tidying up. Always seemed like a big overwhelming job. And that was always something that we did when we were preparing for company and definitely the worst part of that was our what we called our rec room downstairs kind of our family playroom and it was always a mess and just horribly overwhelming to clean up and so I always dreaded that yeah very very daunting task yeah yeah I remember it also being a lot of work if if we were having a lot of guests and we had to put all the boards in the, the dining room table, right. <laughs> get that thing stretched all the way out. Yeah. And that, yeah. Eventually I got to the point where I enjoyed that, that part of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The more, the more boards that I got to put in the table, the better, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a big job. All right. Question number seven, is there an oft used expression of either parent that you see more wisdom in now than you did in your growing up years? Hmm. That's, that's a good question. Um, this is maybe one that would have been more beneficial to, to, uh, have known before. Um, can you think of any right off the top? Yeah. Um, there's one that I've used a, that I probably kind of laughed at. Oh, um, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, but now I use all the time. And that's one that mom would say a lot, which is that books are our friends. So anytime that we were, um, <laughs> misusing a book at all that we would hear that and um i i always enjoyed reading and so it probably didn't take too long to stick but i remember as a as a teacher i would use it 
to uh, students when I didn't think they were treating a book right. And I've used it with Seth, um, my <laughs> one-year-old, a few times too. <laughs> so I'm yeah, sure it's that something one, that'll, that will, uh, that I'll continue to use. Yeah, that one definitely has stuck with me too. And even like, even seeing a book like fall off a table or something like hurts a little bit. And I wonder, yeah. if, it's, I wonder if part of that's because, well, books are our friends. <laughs> yep, that's right. Yeah, I, I didn't think of any more in that. Um, right off. Okay, that's fine. We'll just go on to the last one then. All right. And what do you think? Uh, what do you think will be your go-to story when your children ask you to tell them about when you were little? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. It's something that I thought about recently, actually, where I remember as a child often hearing from mom her saying something like. Well, this is definitely a story that you're going to tell your children when uh, when you have children. And um, whenever I think about that, I remember hearing that statement a lot, but I have trouble coming up with those stories um, when I think about that statement. So I'm I'm guessing that as I even some of the memories that were prompted here is as uh, just the prompt is all I need to, to think of something. So I'm guessing that when Seth's old enough to start asking for stories, um, or I start telling him stories, but when I was young, I'm guessing that telling stories will, will bring other stories, um, to mm -hmm. mind. And, um, so yeah, I don't know right off what a go-to one. I'm guessing I'll tell about trips, um, that our family took. That's always, um, something that stands out in my memory from my childhood is some really good family trips, especially road trips to the West coast and the East coast. Um, and yeah, I want to be willing to tell stories about um, about hard times too. So um, people dying um, has was a regular or something that happened to to me in my childhood um, a few times with um, losing both my aunt and uncle at the same time when I was eight, using losing my grandma when I was four. Um, so it's uh, yeah, I want to be willing to tell those stories as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll be go-to stories, but but want to be willing to tell them. Yeah, I think the one that I already talked about, the golf cart one, will definitely be a, a story that I'll always remember. Um, yeah, and you mentioned trips, um, and I thought of that too. And I remember uh, the East Coast one. Do you remember how old we, we were for that one? Um, I'm thinking maybe 11 and 13 or somewhere okay, around there. Yeah, sounds about right. But one, one thing that really, uh, stood out to me was, um, the, I think it was called like the village of Avonlea or yeah, whatever, yeah. but there, there was uh, so it was the story of Anne of Green Gables, but they had actors who walked around the town and they did different skits and stuff, but you could talk to them. Like you could, you could talk to, uh, Anne or, yeah, yeah. Diana or um yeah between skits they were kind of wandering around the town and just like they're like yeah like we were in the and, town uh, at the time yeah I remember Mr. Phillips dad played crokinole against Mr. Phillips yeah and when dad won Mr. Phillips said this gentleman has beaten me <laughs> so yeah that that whole experience really really stood out to me so yeah hopefully um or yeah if, uh 
have kids one day and they like the story of Anne of Green Gables, that would be a, a really fun story to recount. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Mom, for coming up with those questions and taking us down memory lane a little bit. That was that was fun. And thank you, Ricky, for uh, doing this, um, coming on the show again and uh, talking a li- little bit about the podcast, sharing a little bit more from uh, your experience with graphic design and um, just talking. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Really enjoyed that. Great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Ricky, for coming back to the podcast and thinking about these questions, talking about the podcast with me and um, conversing and reminiscing about the past. That was a lot of fun. Thank you to all of you that listen to this podcast regularly. And for those of you that haven't missed an episode yet up to this point, I really appreciate that and thank you for listening. And for those of you that just tuned into a few episodes, I really appreciate that as well. Thank you for, for taking the time to listen. If this is your first episode, welcome, and hopefully you'll stick around for a few more. If you'd like to connect with the show and answer any of the questions that we talked about or give me your thoughts on the podcast up to this point, love to hear them. Send me an email at contact at everydayexpertise.ca. If you'd like to find out more about the show, check out our website, everydayexpertise.ca. That's all for now. Join me again next week to learn from the expertise of everyday people. 